Thank you very much, Ginny. That's great. Um, well, here we are again, and uh, for the second time, coming back together like this, and we find ourselves after the lockdowns, after the summer, cautiously making our way back into different kinds of gatherings in work or with families and also in church. And looking around, I can see there are probably a few people for whom this is the first time you've been in an in-person gathering for a while, and I want to say welcome, and I want to say thank you for being here and being part of us. I would like to pray that, um, I'd love to pray for us. So maybe if you just put a hand on your heart, and uh, I'm just going to pray for us as a, uh, individuals and as a community. Father, we thank you that where two or three are gathered together, you are there right in the, in the center of us. Pray for those particularly today who are stepping back in, in person, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit, your presence, your hope, your healing, your love and your power and your delight. And in all of us, Lord, I pray that you would reconnect us to each other and also in particular to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, yesterday, Joe and I went to a wedding party, and uh, uh, our, my, my twin nieces got married in lockdown. Uh, uh, obviously, it's different people, and uh, and then they had a joint celebration yesterday. And and talking to people as we uh, as we went around in this quite large party, you know, lots of people were saying, "Oh, you know, this is the first time I've been amongst a group of people this kind of size." And uh, talked to one guy, and the, the party was in a church building, and um, he said, oh, yeah, I'm part of this church, but I haven't been in this building for 18 months, and it's a little weird coming back together. And we are also doing that in church, cautiously making our way back uh, to in-person community after uh, all these different things. And uh, we don't know what the future holds, but this is, this is where we are at right now. And over these four Sundays, last Sunday, this week, and the next two Sundays, we are thinking about what is the vision for us as a church. And last week, Bob spoke excellently about uh, the vision is always Jesus, and he spoke about the gospel. Uh, and next week, I'm going to take a, 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 a kind of step back and look at what is the church for and what do we, uh, how do we as ENC particularly do church, I guess. And then Joe is going to talk about uh, the week after, uh, what is really important to us as a church and what do we want to hold on to and not let go, uh, what is vital to our life together. But today what I want to talk about in particular, in terms of the vision, in terms of our aim, is under the title of What Now? What Now? What are we aiming at really this autumn, uh, given what we've been through and where we are trying to get to? If you were at Restore the Core on Wednesday, we were joined by John and Ellie Mumford, and Ellie said this at the beginning. She said, the last 18 months have likely been the most difficult and disruptive times for our lives unless we are old enough to have lived through the Second World War. And during these last 18 months, there has been a lot of disappointment, some despair, sickness, bereavement, fear, boredom, isolation, spikes in domestic violence, and all other kinds of things. And Christians haven't been immune from these, from these things over the last 18 months. And it is so true what God said to the first human, Adam, at the beginning of the Bible. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. 
It's not good. Even if you have Netflix, saith the Lord, it is not good for the man to be alone. And after 17 years as a church, having been through what we've been through and what the world has been through, if you like, it does feel like we are all new again. You know, we started this church 17 years ago, a small group of people together, and it feels like we're all new again after the pandemic and after planting a couple of churches during the pandemic, uh, and we are gathering ourselves together on Wednesdays and on Sundays and looking around a little bit and thinking, who's still here? Who is part of this thing? And what we have lacked over this time in terms of church is embodied, in-person Christian community and the benefits that that brings. And, uh, and we are trying to see what the Lord wants to bring back during this time. A number of people have mentioned to me this verse, Ephesians 2.22, where it says, In Jesus you are all being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. In Jesus you are all being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. And as we gather in the presence of God... It all starts in his presence, doesn't it? We find hope and healing, laughter, joy and peace, which comes from God. But it is mediated to one another by each other. And that's crucial. So the immediate vision, if you like, the immediate aim between now and Christmas during autumn is to rebuild a community around God. That's what we want to do. We want to rebuild a community around God. And, uh, and the, the passage that Jenny read to us, the, uh, Romans chapter 12, is a brilliant uh, exposition, if you like, of life in the community of God. And it's a, it, that would really pay a lot of meditating on that passage in particular. So we want to build, rebuild the community around God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I really just want to make a couple of points about what that means. So what it means, first of all, is a community around God is a gift. It's a gift, first of all, from God. It's something that we receive. It's not primarily something that we make, but we receive. So when you become a Christian, uh, because of Jesus' death on the cross, you receive forgiveness. Because of his resurrection from the dead, you receive new power uh, and new life. Because of his ascension, as we've been thinking about a little bit over the last few weeks uh, you receive a new position. You are raised with Christ in the heavenly realms. And because of the pouring out of the Spirit, you receive power to live. But the funny thing is also, when you become a Christian, when you become a son or a daughter of your heavenly Father, you also find that you have brothers and sisters in Christ. So just look around. Just look around. You have brothers and I know it's difficult to look in people's eyes, but... Uh, you have brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a given. It's a gift. And we are supposed to be a gift to, come, uh, a gift to one another. And this is expressed, this brotherhood and this sisterhood is expressed by coming together. Now, the other reason why it's a gift is that not everyone is able to receive this gift. Not, a, not everyone is able to, uh, to come together. People who are persecuted, Christians who are persecuted around the world are not able to do that. Uh, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan are entering a new darkness. That is not going to be uh, possible for them. Those who are housebound, those who are in hospital, those who are in prison have limited opportunities to express the coming together 
the brotherhood and sisterhood. And then all of us have experienced this over the last 18 months, uh, being isolated by a pandemic. Now, we really do, uh, uh, during the pandemic, continue to be grateful for technology and for Zoom, however much we get Zoomed out. Uh, because uh, for church, it has been able to include people who are far away, people who are shielding, people who are unwell, uh, and, uh, and people who are continuing to meet on Zoom now. We love you, uh, and you might well be watching this, so uh, we, we know that you are part of this community, and we are so grateful that you connect uh, through Zoom. And it's been also, Zoom has been really incredibly helpful uh, in some cases, around mission, where people who are interested in the Christian faith can connect with some people on the Christ- who are Christians, but uh, coming to be, you know, join an actual gathering or something like that is, is a step too far for them. And uh, many people have found the connection through Zoom or through YouTube has been a real help. But for the first time in our lives, and it may be true for you, it's certainly true for me, is that we could not take community for God, around God for granted. So we did gatherings and prayer and teaching and everything all online, and it was a very steep learning curve, if you remember. Uh, but the pandemic robbed us of being together. Now, for some I know, and I know you've expressed this, uh, that uh, not having to come to meet together has been a relief. And uh, in fact, sitting at home in your Jimmy Jams, eating last night's pizza, and uh, being able to turn your camera off is peak church. That's what you have really enjoyed. But, uh, and also I would say, uh, thinking about weddings and weddings and funerals, a number of people have expressed that the pandemic has enabled them to have very small weddings and funerals. And so they didn't need to invite Uncle Norman, who they didn't want to invite anyway. So there, uh, there are some side benefits, but essentially we have experienced a reduction in happy Christian faith during this time. And I remember saying in the first lockdown that in our particular stream of church, uh, kind of charismatic stream, the stuff that we do best, loud singing, uh, laying on of hands uh, to um, pray for one another in the power of the Spirit, having coffee and eating together, all those are very physical activities and they were always going to be the last things that were going to get returned to us. And when we moved online and we went on to YouTube, uh, and then we made a change from YouTube to Zoom, you could tell that when people could participate on Zoom as opposed to just watching something presentational on YouTube, the relief was palpable. People wanted to connect. People wanted to relate. Even when they got thrust into a breakout room with nobody they knew, they wanted to actually uh, talk with one another. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote a brilliant book about uh, community around God, called Life Together. It's very short. You can read it. Uh, He said this, the physical presence of other Christians is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Being with one another is such a privilege. And uh, it's possible that until COVID, we started to take that for granted. So that's the first thing. It's a gift. It's a gift given to us due to our conversion. The moment we step into the kingdom of, uh, of Jesus, the moment we become a Christian, then you have brothers and sisters. But the second point I want to make is that it is a gift that we are asked to steward. 
like all gifts. So the gifts of the scriptures, the gift of uh, gifts of the Holy Spirit, and those kinds of things. Uh, nothing really happens with them until we steward them. And to steward them, I, I simply mean to really participate in the gift, to use it, to maximize it, to multiply it. And as we do that, we build a community together that we want to be a part of. And so in Romans 12, which Jenny read to us, there are just three uh, particular things that I want to highlight to you that St. Paul tells us, which helps us to steward the gift that we have already been given of a community around God. And the first thing is this. In verse 1, he says, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship to God. And it is literally to present yourself to God and present yourself to one another. Or what we might say, show up to one another. So where there are opportunities to come together, I really encourage you to come together, just as you have done so today and just as people have been doing on Wednesday during this particular season. But I also mean show up to one another individually. Show up to one another to help one another, to pray for one another, feed one another, laugh with one another, and all those kinds of things. Where you can do that, I encourage you to do that. So show up. That's really the simple thing that he says. Present yourself. Present your bodies. Present your whole self. So the second thing he says is know and use your gifts to the benefit of others. So if you're following the passage, look at verses uh, 6 to 8. In fact, I'll just read those out to you. Verses 6 to 8 says this. It says, We have different gifts. And as you look around the room, you know that's true. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give, gen- give generously. If it's to lead, do it di- diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So, These gifts of the Spirit are power boosts from the Holy Spirit to you in order to benefit the community. And what St. Paul is making the point about is to have sober judgment about the gifts that you've been given and the level of grace and the level of faith which you have to operate in them. So in church life, it's, uh, it's my humble opinion that most people are mistaken about their gifts. There are a small few who uh, feel that they're more gifted than they actually are. But since most of us in this room are British, we underplay our gifts and are reticent about using them. And I would just want to suggest to you that both approaches are wrong. That what God is looking for is to look uh, at ourselves and what we have been given by God and to be confident in using those things according to our faith. Everyone who has the Holy Spirit has gifts from God. So if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit, you have gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you get to know the amount of faith and grace and power that you have in a particular area, in a particular gifting, by practicing. So I just encourage you, if you think you may well have the gift of healing, then just pray for a lot of sick people. And see how your faith and your grace and your practice and power grows. The other way to know how gifted you are is to get feedback, to ask people and to let them tell you uh, how gifted you are. If you are married, you probably won't need to ask. 
But that's how you get sober judgment on where, where you're at in the gifts that God has given you. And as John Wimber used to say, it's important with your gifts to use them or you lose them. So he's given them to you uh, for a purpose. He's given them to you for um, uh, building up the community of people around you. The things that you've been given are power boosts from the Holy Spirit to elevate the life of the community. And where we don't use our gifts, then the, com the whole community loses out because you have a part to play. So that's the second thing he says. He says, show up. Then he says, use your gifts. And the third thing he says is love everyone, especially difficult people. So from verse 9 onwards, St. Paul makes, he makes a load of uh, very memorable sayings. You know, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and so on. And he goes on down a list, and each one has a lot to think about. And as you read it, you start, you start to realize that Paul is not starry-eyed about life in Christian community. Church at its best is a very diverse community. It's full of men and women, rich and poor, black and white, young and old, left and right, introvert and extrovert, able and disabled, straight and gay, new Christians and long-term believers, scientists and artists, happy and depressed, married and single, town and country, town and gown, leaders and followers, indigenous people and people from abroad, like Cornwall, for instance. It's a very diverse community. And so when you become a Christian, you join a new community of brothers and sisters, some of whom are not like you. And as you look around a church that you're a part of, there are some people you click with and some people you want to clock. And both types are there. We're confronted by people who seem to be like aliens. And as we meet them, and we discover that they too are followers of Jesus and they're brothers and sisters in Christ, we learn to love them. And now initially, when you become a Christian, uh, it can be a disappointing thing. But it's really important not to idealize community, uh, Christian community. Here's Bonhoeffer again. Listen carefully. Just as surely God desires to lead us to a, a knowledge of genuine Christian fellowship, so surely we must be overwhelmed by a great general disillusionment with others, with Christians in general, and, if we are fortunate, with ourselves. See, he knows what humans are made of, if you like. So Christian community really is the greatest gift that God has given to us to form us to become more like Jesus. How are we going to become more joyful and peaceful and loving and forgiving and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled if we don't immerse ourselves in the diverse community around God? So as you read what St. Paul says in chapter 12, he starts saying things like, it's if, it, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why does he say that? Because even in those days, under St. Paul's help, it was not possible to live at peace with every Christian in the church. He says, bless those who persecute you. Do not take revenge. Why does he say that? Because there are some people in church that you want to take revenge on. 
But he says, don't do that because that's the Lord's job. So again, just look around you. Everyone here today is a gift to you in the church. Those who inspire you, those who draw out the gold, those who accept you for who you are, those who teach you, those who challenge you, those who authorize you, and also those who are a pain in the butt. Everyone is a gift in a different kind of way. And it is the most powerful formational tool that we have been given to grow, to become more like Jesus. And so we are asked to to love everyone. It takes hard work. It takes courage to do this. But it's how we steward the gift of God that is the community of God that he has already given us. And through that, you and I are transformed. And so are the people that we learn to love. Healing and restoration takes place if we do this stuff together. Now, if we do this, it's countercultural. The, cu- the culture around us is primed around consumerism, just getting what we, what we want, and individualism, uh, just being ourselves and looking out for ourselves primarily. And I've found it interesting talking with people, talking with Christians who, when, when I ask them what's, so impo- what's really important in the church, and they say, well, the most important thing to me in the church is community. And then when you explore what they uh, mean by community, they simply mean having a support group. Now, having a support group is a good thing, but community uh, in Christ is so much more. So our aim through this autumn is to rebuild our church community as a community around God. And if you're new to Exeter and you're just trying to work out which church you might join, I would just say, don't hang about. Just uh, prayerfully consider and then commit quite soon. Just get stuck in. Be part of a community. And um, show up, use your gifts, and love everyone. Because that's that's what it takes to build this kind of life together. These are all inconvenient things to do. They get in the way of other activities. It does take effort and courage. But if you will aim at this through the autumn with us all together, by Christmas we'll be looking back at the inevitable hope, healing, and transformation that you've been given uh, and what you have received by stewarding the gift of community around God. I think as we do that together, it will be inevitable. It's what God commands as uh, people, the people of God dwell together in unity. So, I just think the Lord particularly wants to do one thing as we have gathered together. So, can we stand? Uh, maybe, maybe just stretch a little bit as you've been sitting. And... I just think as we make our way back into each other's presence, uh, I, had a, I had a strong picture, and I've had it for a while, of the Lord, um, as it were, pouring honey on dry pancakes. And I just think he's pouring out his 
sweetness on us so that our hearts are softened. That we taste the sweetness of God, but it really transforms us. And so if you're up for that, I'm just going to pray for that for a a few moments in particular. And it may help you to put your hands out in front of you. It may help you to put your hand on your heart if you know it needs softening. But there's a sweetness, a gentleness that comes from the heart of the Father towards you and me. Which we really need, both in this world and also to build a community together. So just in the quietness, offer the Lord yourself and particularly your heart, what's deepest within you. Just encourage you to do that. He is always good and receives us. So, Father, send your Spirit, pour out the sweetness of your uh, good nature. We offer you ourselves, ask that you would soften our hearts with your love, with your compassion. Just soak us, Lord, in your incredible sweetness. Marinate us, Lord God. And where we've been uh, beaten up and knackered and everything else over these last few months, ask, Lord, that, I, that you would pour your sweetness into our hearts again your tenderness towards us Lord God thank you Lord Thank you, Lord. So God is here by His Spirit. He's resting on people. So let Him come. Let Him come. So we don't rush away. He is here. He knows what 
you need in the circumstances that you find yourself. Holy Spirit, come. Come.